Yeah, just that way, sh- the people don't have to know that we recorded them in the same day. Oh, they're gonna know. They're gonna know. I think it's just easier to just break up an episode into two parts and just call it episode four and five. That's what I just said. Just have a different intro. Yeah, but don't try to act <clears throat> like it's not the same episode. I feel like it being the same episode is like part of it. So you don't want any sort of intro in this next one? No, no, no. You can say this is episode five and just be like, you know, this is going to be two episodes, so this is episode five. This will come out. Part two. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. This is um, episode five, kind okay, of a two-part. We're going to need a little bit more enthusiasm on. Well, all right. This <laughs> is uh, This is part two of this past week and this week. Whenever you're listening to it, will probably be uh, two weeks from when we're recording it. We usually do uh, like a two-day turnaround. Uh, we are doubling up this week because we'll be out of town. So this is sort of part two of episode four, sort of its own thing as episode five. Yeah, so Taylor's going to be out of town, so we're just knocking them out back to back. So this is just going to be a continuation of episode four, but we're calling it episode five. Yeah. But it's just... Because it's, it's got its own life. It's uh, last yeah, time yeah. we were talking about what would you do a million dollars? Uh, Obviously, buy Teslas, only Teslas, Tesla's the not even the go. stock. Just buy the car. Thought about Bugatti, saw that it was uh, over double what I had. So yeah, the cheapest one is one point nine. Wow, million. So uh, yeah, you're gonna have to find another million dollars. Well, we, speaking of what is, so we had the just continue that conversation. What are the creative ways to invest your money? Like my boring answer is definitely something that you should do if you ever come across a uh, million dollars. Oh, don't listen to it. It's no. the it's the smart way. Unless you're going to invest in unless you're a uh, business, unless you're wanting to hold on to your money and choose what happens to your money and make real money based off your money uh, instead of somebody else making make, a lot of money. Make make fake money off of your real yeah. Money. Uh, no, the, so the owner you have to, of Blackhawk. Do you know what that is? The helicopter? Uh, I think it's Blackhawk. Black, uh... No clue. It's like the biggest company ever, basically. He's Lockheed like the rich- Barton? Apple? No. <laughs> Can you Google that? Look up Black, uh... Blackhawk, maybe? Blackhawk? The only thing I can think of is the helicopters. It's not investing, but it's like the real rich Oh, Blackrock. Blackrock. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. Blackhawk. It's a firm. Yeah. So, BlackRock. Uh, <laughs> I saw the owner of that talking the other day, and he was like, why would you invest in... Um, what, Larry Fink? Sure. Is he old now? Um, Yeah, probably. Probably. Surely. He was yeah, saying... Yeah, founders, Larry Fink, Susan Wagner. He was saying, why would you take 100% of the risk, like a, a mutual fund or a whatever you want to call it, 401k, IRA, uh, S&P 500... All that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Index fund is depending on which one you can do. Yeah. An S and P five hundred, you can do a total market. Yeah. So let's let's say you do that. Your money is taking on one hundred percent of the risk. You're putting up one hundred percent of the money. They're not they're not pitching in with you like a business partner going in fifty fifty. You take all the risk. You take you give all the money, and then you get probably thirty percent or less. Of what that money makes. Oh yeah, I mean, they your are return. A good return is ten percent. They are ten xing your money. Oh yeah, if not more. Oh yeah, and you're getting ten 
percent. They're making a thousand percent on it, and you're getting ten percent back. So they're they're the difference there is nine hundred and ninety percent. Well, that's not always like one to one. Like you think a company if a company ten x's its value, you're not going to only get a fraction of that. If you're, well, I guess if you're in a like a total market or an S and P because you get a fraction of it. But if you're like all in on that one company, then you get you realize that because the shares go up, they create more value. The company's valued more. They get an influx, and it also, to a degree, just to be devil's advocate here, it does behoove them to do well because that's how a lot of their money is tied up. That's how like Zuckerberg made so much money is that he had so much Facebook stock. Mm-hmm. He took it from fourteen dollars a share to. Whatever. So whenever they IPO, they get a portion of that IPO. They get a portion of that stock, and so that's how they. So it they it does do well for them to make money to make you money, but also in like an index fund or something like that. Like there's you're spread out so far that a good return is eight to ten. Yeah, I'm talking about somebody else managing your money. So like a 401k IRA. Uh, Will you still pick your funds for that? But I, thought, I see what you're saying. Do what? Not all of them, do you? No, some, I mean, some of you are limited. You, somebody's just managing your money. Yeah, you can pay somebody to do that, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It just don't seem right to me. No, I mean, you're... It don't seem right. You have a point with, like, you're not getting everything that you're putting in. Yeah, the reason they can pay you that 10% is because 10% is nothing to them. Yeah, oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, it's for anything. If you have a job that pays $30 an hour, the reason they can afford $30 an hour is because they're making, you know, thousands of dollars an hour. Oh, yeah. Off whatever labor or whatever cog in the wheel that you're, you know, Yeah, and I just won't stand for it. (laughs) I won't stand for it. I will. We're going to tear down the establishment. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't want to make somebody else super rich, you know? Yeah, well, that's one of the things we have here is, you know, creating creating value. And that can mean so many different things to so many different people. Um, like with your handyman thing, like people value your knowledge and your know-how and your capability and yeah. your young, athletic, you know, <laughs> go-get-em attitude yeah. of, yeah, I can do that. I can get that done. Or some people will look at something and say, I can't do it. I don't feel like doing it. Or I don't know how. Uh, yeah, I have I no have idea. The time, how to do it. I don't have the tools. Yeah, yeah. That's meanwhile that's you pull up in your the in van. Your sprinter van. Yeah, I um. That's one thing that really intrigued me to starting my own service business was like I know how to do these services. So most of America or adults would tell you, um, go and become an electrician. Go and become a plumber. Go work for HVAC, whatever. Yeah. And whenever you do that, if you ever see the numbers on a job, if it doesn't make you want to throw up, then you should just stay there. But if it does, like myself, it made me want to throw up every time I saw it. Because it's like, I know what I'm making, and I see what you're making. Oh, You're yeah. not here. You're not even here doing it. If I wasn't here, you wouldn't get paid this. And I can vividly remember one time, there was four of us on this job working. And we were, 
I knew about what everybody else was making. Uh, I only knew one guy's for sure, uh, like his actual hourly rate. But the other people, I had a good guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm probably within a dollar or two off at the most. Yeah. Uh, and essentially, we made them, the company, profit like close to $22,000 in one single job. Oh, wow. And on that day, we all got... $35 per diem a piece. So that's $35.70, $140 for four of us. Yeah. I made probably $125 that day from my per hour. Yeah. My buddy probably made about $150. And the other two guys made about $200. So $200, $400, And then plus my $125, $675 plus our $140 in per diem. Yeah. Seven, like $815 is what they had to pay out. For them to make $22,000. 22 and 200 What were y'all doing? What job was this? We were replacing a, uh, or well, air quote on replacing. Uh, we didn't replace. We just fixed uh, <laughs> a cooler floor. Oh, this was the refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, we basically, uh, the screws that were into the concrete, we just got longer screws and drilled the holes a little farther and sunk them into the ground a little better to flatten out the floor. And that fixed it? Oh, yeah. That's insane. Well, when are we going to start our refrigeration business, then? I thought about it. So we can pay somebody $800 a day to make, oh, yeah. you know. I'll give them, I'll give them 4000 dude. If they'll make me twenty, I'll give them 4000 Yeah, I think that's the... Like this, something that I struggle with internally is like knowing what the right move is mm-hmm. to like have, you know, we've got money keyed up to invest in something, but it's like, what is the right thing to do? Yeah. You know? So with, with that in particular, all four of those people don't work for that company no more. And two of them, not me or my buddy, uh, my buddy was very valuable to them. I probably was. I didn't work there, but like probably three or four months. Yeah. Because I saw too many I saw too many numbers where I'm like, that just don't make any sense. <laughs> and this is like what are, you guys are making and what you guys are paying me ain't adding up. Yeah. And I mean, we'll get on, we'll get to that. Uh, but the two other guys could have done any job that would come through. They didn't need any sort of guidance, anything. So they basically self-managed themselves. You just had to tell them, this is the job you're doing here. That took them an hour a week worth of telling us what to do. Yeah, just making the schedule. Yeah. And then we would go hand it. We'd be in contact with the customer. We'd be fixing everything. We would be doing the new construction, like just making so much money for them. Yeah. And I'm a I firm believer. I bet they were believer. loving that. I want to yeah. be that guy. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in like, if you just treat your people right, your customers, I mean, your uh, your employees, I mean, they're going to want to stay. Because if they would have kept giving us raises and, you know, oh yeah, paying a fair amount compared to what we were doing, then I probably would have stayed there a lot longer. I don't know if I would have stayed there forever, but I would have stayed a lot longer, and I probably would have worked a little harder, to be honest. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, not yeah. that I wasn't trying, but you work harder whenever you feel appreciated. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a lot of those jobs where you – you're just kind of there. And it's one of those jobs where you know you're not going to stay there. Mm-hmm. So 
the motivation to like advance or anything like that just doesn't stick with you and you're kind of just like, I'm just here till something better shows up. Yeah. And I've had a lot of jobs like that. Yeah, it's it's a weird spot to be. Yeah, it's like... I don't, I don't know how to handle it. Yeah, it's like, I I know I'm not staying here, and so I'm not going to learn everybody's name or, like, I'm really not trying to, take a huge interest in what's going on. Yeah, it's sad almost. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, I think that's good because it's like you know you were made for something more, like what we were talking about a couple mm. of weeks ago. It's like, you you know deep down that, like, this ain't it. And so, since you know that, that desire to move on or or to find something that is it or get it even a little bit closer to whatever that is is just there all the time so it makes it hard to focus on your current task at hand yeah and also but, like do a good job yeah but i feel like as the owner or employer uh you can make that job feel like it has more value and meaning and like uh more appreciation to have your employees yeah. More bought in. Oh yeah. Uh that's the that's the kind of employee that you want. Yeah. Somebody that's not like somebody that's like bought into what they're doing. And almost it almost feels bad to say that like, you know, you want somebody that's gonna be like that because then you know they're not like you. So like they're gonna be content almost. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I would almost feel like I'm taking advantage mm-hmm. of them to some degree. But it's it's like that thing where there's only like twenty percent of producers and everybody else is a consumer. Yeah, yeah. And so you got to be that twenty percent producer. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at a lot of people that were, are in the sort of jobs that I was in, uh, they see the same numbers that I saw, and they were fine. And they just keep working. Yeah. Those those three people that I was working with that day, they eventually moved on, but all three of them went to something very similar to what they were doing then, you know? Oh, uh, just like up one more rung or Yeah, maybe like one that. more step up. Uh, maybe you enjoyed the work you were doing a little bit more, but, like, the pay's pretty similar. The percent difference is what gets me. Because, like, as now I, I own, I own uh, my own service business, and, uh, like, if somebody helps me, I give them a very fair percentage of what I make. Yeah. Because I see what they were doing is valuable, and I pay what's valuable. If somebody does something with me or for me that is a little less valuable, you make a little less. But I think your pay should be directly correlated with how much value you're bringing. Yeah. And in those big trade jobs, it's just not. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're just getting the work done, which at at the core of any service-based industry is like, Getting the job done is what is the most important. Yeah, you're doing the most important part. Yeah. But there's a lot of other stuff going on, too. Yeah. But there's some people that the way they see life or the way they see their career is that at the grocery store, they want to be the head cashier or Mm -hmm. the manager or something like that. And it's like... I want to own the grocery store. Yeah. Like, I want to be that guy. Yeah, I don't I don't care for uh, promotions that much. I like promotions. And I think they're good, and I think it's good to strive for stuff. But it's really just a carrot. It's uh, just a carrot on yeah, the it's stick a carrot in, front right in front of you. Right in front of you, dude. Yeah. I, uh, and I don't love that. And I think you can. most people would be able to tell. Uh, that's why you, I just started my own thing. And I, um, 
going back to like the creating value in a job for somebody and giving somebody sort of like belonging and sense of this is important this is really helping uh my job is important i feel like they would have to really replace me uh, and i don't mean that like a a bragging sense but like you just feel like you're bringing value that they would have to replace instead of like you're gone like uh on the office michael squat michael squat <laughs> michael scott goes and he's like a uh he, he's calling leads basically trying to sell stuff yeah and he don't even call nobody for weeks before he gets found out that he hasn't made a call and that just shows me that his position wasn't that important essentially sure they want the numbers to add <laughs> up but like yeah yeah he could stop, and they were still going to be going at pretty much the same rate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is that point that sometimes you turn into an asset for the company mm-hmm. because you either know something that nobody else knows, you set up or created something that nobody else knows how to operate, and then once you get into that groove, sometimes you know it's almost better than owning the company or doing all the, cause there's, you know, we're talking about like, Oh, you should start your own business or create value or something like that. There's so much involved to get that up and running mm-hmm. until like you could spend, you know, five years doing it and never really get off the ground. Whereas if you spent five years making yourself super valuable to a company, you probably are going to be doing a lot better and are way less stressed out. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a pro there, but I feel like, you you limit yourself whenever you stay in that kind of area, and it's also that whole thing of you can never make more money at your job in in the eight to ten hours that you work than what they're paying you. You know, like yeah. you can't work harder and make more money. You can't get twenty projects done instead of ten and get twenty projects worth 20, of money. Yeah. Like double you you're capped at whatever your salary cap is. And you can never make more beyond that. But if you own the business, you can always bring in more business and get more leads mm-hmm. and open yourself You're up. You're in to, control of the, the growth. Yeah, exactly. So to a, to a large extent. You know, to quote Michael Scott, you have no idea how high I can fly. Shrive. So. <laughs> Honestly. It's a good good call back there. Uh yeah, I didn't know where you were going when you brought up the office. So I was like, uh yeah, I'll see what I can do here. Whenever, I haven't uh, seen it all, but Whenever uh, he's a salesman, I just think it's hilarious. Uh, oh yeah, there's a lot of good, good, good moments. Yeah, moments. that's an awesome show, man. Uh, so staying on the topic of money, uh, what do you think you're you're bringing up was in a sense of investing? Did you see your parents invest? Oh no, not at all. So my parents did what you should never do, which is uh, so. I think my dad, so my dad got put on disability and he had like retirement savings or whatever, but cashed it out whenever he quit. Mm. And, you know, it slowly just dwindled away. You know, it was just one of those things where you just, it was basically treated like a, a good tax return almost. And then when he got remarried, they did something similar with, uh, with her money. Yeah, yeah, because she worked for the state, so she cashed out wow. whatever her state pension was out of Arizona, 
because that's where she was from. Oh. Uh, and, uh, man, we were living like kings there for a minute. Like, it was not like Christmas that year. Man, Christmas yeah, was good awesome. that year. Yeah, so it was like we got two two PlayStation 2s. Like, Dang. But, like, that's just, like, the stupidity of it. Yeah, it's not worth it. Because they're, you know, they both eventually ended up broken and torn apart. And, <laughs> uh, you know, all the games got scratched. I was, oh. maybe, there, maybe there's still a little bitterness there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I mean, we did that. get Dave Mira's BMX, so that was wow. uh, that was a good time. Remember they had the Slim Jim character <laughs> that you could unlock? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Anyway. Yeah, so they, they just did about the worst things you could do with money. And it, I mean, they, they just shouldn't have done it how they did it, but I understand, you know, where they were coming from in a sense, in a sense, it's like, you know, Hey, we need money. They just didn't spend it correctly. You know? Yeah. They I always, on dumb stuff. I always try to give grace to like my parents, other people's parents. Uh, Cause ideally they were trying to do what they thought was best. You know, yeah, like maybe they thought that. I'm never gonna get this time back with my kids, uh, and or I've just never been able to do this for my yeah, kids. I've never been able to I do this. Uh, I love really the point. crap out of my kids. Like I just want them, give them what I never had. Uh, there's a lot of lot of psychology that could be going into it. Like, so I just try to say like give a little grace to your parents because like yeah. ideally they're doing the best they could. Uh, obviously not everybody's parents were doing the best they could, but most of the time. They probably were trying. Yeah, it just wasn't. And you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I didn't. I mean, I understood what was happening, but I didn't know the negative side effects that were going to come way uh, later. And yeah. those kind of, I mean, those lasted way longer than, you know, the time of having, you know, a little bit of money. So, if anything, it it made me. I'm I'm always after a deal. You know, I'm always looking for the way to get the most, you know, value for what I'm going to spend. Uh, uh, I'm that's just something ingrained in me. I was thinking about. You that. think it's from that? I think so. I think it's not having a lot. Yeah. And when you do have a, you have a little bit, you try to maximize it. You try to get yeah the most that you can. Like I remember having a little bit of money and going to GameStop and trying to find the best game uh-huh. for the money that I had. You know, yeah, like being like, do I, I'm going all in on this one here because if you do, you know, the trade in a GameStop, they give you like three dollars, yeah, it's and not like a much. pack of gum. So th- at least that that's how it worked out for me, but it also led to like wanting more. I think we talked about that uh, before. It's just like wanting more out of life, yeah, and not waiting for a good time to like waiting for a windfall to make the most out of life. Yeah. Yeah, not waiting on that pension. Yeah, yeah. Not waiting on, like you said, like you always talk about, not waiting on the the 401k cash out uh-huh. at the end of my life to live, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. That just, I know I get you. Yeah, fired it, it just, I don't know. The word that always <laughs> comes to my head is just boring. I'm just like, I understand if that's what you want to do and that's the financial route you want to take. But for me, it just don't seem fun. And I don't want to do it. So I'm never going to force somebody to to not do a 401k, but don't tell me that I'm dumb for not doing a 401k. Yeah, no, I <laughs> that's what I don't I'm think at. it's. Uh, I think a lot of people like to think of this like fantasy day in the future where they get to just cash out their retirement and it's just going to be the greatest day. Yeah, and then and inflation's going to be up, and 
Your who, money's yeah. not going to be worth that much. and Who knows what's going to happen at that point. 70K is going to be like what you're spending a month at that point. <laughs> but no, whatever. That's a rat ball I don't really care about. Uh, I'm not that adamant about that. I'm like, for I'm very adamant that I'm not going to do it, but I also don't care if you do it. Um, yeah. And I think if I had a lot higher income, I would probably invest in some sort of in what in my head would be boring. Uh, like I'd probably put some money in the S&P 500. Uh, yeah, something just like as that. like a somewhat of a hedge your bets kind yeah, of Yeah, just something where it's not sitting in a savings account. Uh, something where I'm like, I've got this money that I really want to invest and care about and learn and push for myself. And then like with the extra excess, like I'll put it over here and never touch it. Yeah. Don't really care to touch it. Yeah, well, uh, uh, I want to roll into this this next bit. This is from Sunday Sermon, uh, and if you're listening to this, it was from two weeks ago Sermon, uh, and this kind of leads into to what we were just talking about, like wanting better. And so the quote is, "Good is the enemy of great," mm-hmm. by Jim Collins, and I mean, that's you know he kind of related it to like, oh, you want to be a good Christian, you want to be a good parent, you want to be a good mediator of your mm-hmm. money. But it's like, if you're just good, there's still room for that bit more. And, you know, great is what separates that from good. Yeah. Like, if you're just good with stuff, you'll never be great with it. And so good is the enemy of great. And you can be great by, you know, it was, it was the last sermon on the habit stacking and making sure you have systems in place to build you up and be that great person. Whatever that greatness is, it could it's not just like well-rounded individual, but great at managing money, great at starting or creating a business that has value or creates value. Um, being a great parent, I always try to think about that and try to focus on that. Started writing our family vision plan. We got Okay. I got like, like that. two um two steps in. I think there's four steps. So what what's your vision plan? What do you mean by that? What are you writing down? So, you don't have to write. You don't have to say what it is, but like, are you writing down what you want to be doing, where you want to live, uh, what your day looks like, basically? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the two we've done so far, and we've really only done identity. So okay. there's identity and goals. That's like who you want to be. <sighs> yeah. What you want to accomplish. Yeah. So like your identity is who you are as a family. And then once you know who you are, then you can kind of set up your goals. And then um, there's a worksheet. I haven't done the worksheet yet for goals, but we did the one for identity um, where you kind of define your core values. And then there's one that this is from the podcast I listened to about it, but you do values, vision, passions, disciplines, expectations, and standards, and then social contracts and health. Wow. Um, so that's pretty good. Yeah. So I feel like values, vision, and identity are kind of the same, like cohesive thing. Yeah. Because you're gonna your values are gonna be based off your identity, and your vision is gonna be based off your identity where you want to go, and then you have goals uh, for your vision, and then disciplines and passions. Those will come a little bit later. Um, but yeah, we're working through it. There's a whole website for it called Intentional Dot Family. That's it. Wow. It's not dot .com. It's uh, dot .family. So wow, intentional dot .family. So check that out. Write your family vision plan. It's just something that 
I think it's been on my heart to do for past couple months. Mm-hmm. So we finally sat down, I think, last week and started it. And it's just that's really good. nice to just think about. No, I think that's great. Yeah, if you're not thinking about it, you're not headed there. Yeah. So I want to be, I want to have a great family. So this is one of those small little things that we're kind of working towards and, and setting up. And it's really just cool to sit back and think about what your family's going to be. You yeah. Know? Like, what are your values going to be? What things are you going to be passionate about? Like one of the guys says your house or your home should be a playground for your values. And like music is so big to me. So instruments, Sailor's got a little piano, uh-huh. instruments everywhere, music going, trying to have music going more often. Yeah. Um, and just be open and explorative in that way. And yeah. I also think about like, what music she's gonna like, and yeah. I feel like I'm gonna be the grumpy old dad that's like, "Oh, that music uh, back in my day was so much better." <laughs> so I don't want to be like that. I want it to be like, let her, ex- let yeah, her find be what creative, you love. and because I remember being stifled on what I liked, yeah, and I hated it. So oh, I'm me like, too. With, with the way I, I dressed, the way I dressed yes, so hard, my, yeah. my family would hate on it so bad. I'm like, this is what I like. I enjoy this. Like I enjoy. Like picking out an outfit and, you know, trying to style stuff cool and trying to, you know, like express myself. I know that seems weird, but like (laughs) that's what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, at that point in your life, you haven't got it all figured out. So you're just like, this is what, this is how I identify myself at at this time. I'm just trying what I'm into. And there's so much that, like so much music, I should say, that I was into in high school, middle school that I still listen to today. Uh Uh-huh. And there's so much music that shaped what I listened to and, uh, like, you know, playing guitar, my musical inclination is just from music that I listened to. It's like, yeah. had that been stifled at all, you know, I probably wouldn't be where I am. So yeah. I, I would love to see where, you know, Sayla and any future kids, where they go with having a musical identity. Yeah. So. No, that's cool. I think, uh. I worked in a lady's house not too long ago, and she always had music play. And I'm like, you know, I like this. This is cool. It like, I don't know. It has some sort of creative feel to it. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know why, but I think music just does that for you. Uh, so back to sort of back to the money conversation. Yeah. Uh, you said you grew up, family wasn't great at handling money. They did get a lot of money at one point and then kind of spent it. Uh so now it kind of affects you a little bit. Uh, yeah. And you guys participate in 401Ks right now, right? Uh, Yeah. You don't have to say any numbers. Uh, I know some people are, they don't like to share the numbers. <coughs> and I don't blame them. I, I don't mind sharing it is, numbers. It but is a weird taboo thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will not share a ton of numbers because I don't know that my wife would love me sharing a lot of our numbers. So, I won't. And if I go to, Jake, try to stop me. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, So. And our routing number is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, w- I was talking to a buddy about the podcast, and he was saying he wishes I would elaborate a little more and even talk more about uh, some financial things and, like, uh, creative ways to do with your finances like things like that yeah uh, how to be great with your finances yeah how to be instead great of instead good. of just good instead yeah. of just like oh i'm trying to save this much money a month like you can be really intentional and 
creative and smart to like save a little more to make it a little extra have a little more to your disposal uh and i, I got a couple that i want to talk about here uh and i'm trying to think of what order to go in uh, i will say most people listening to this podcast are we'll say a rough age of 30 uh yeah plus or minus yeah and i would say most of those people bought a house probably five years ago if not more uh and they have a lot of equity built up in their house uh but they're terrified of the rates right now so they're like we're not moving anywhere we can afford this house yada 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 whatever it is but like a heloc uh home equity line of credit just for anybody that doesn't know what it is basically you are getting a line of credit uh from the equity you have built up in your house. So, you still will keep the same payments. Your uh, interest rate will stay the same. You're basically just borrowing against it. Uh, and what's nice about a HELOC is most of the time the payment is going to be about 1% of what you have pulled out. So, that is like $10 for every $1,000 you have out. And something I was talking about with a friend is he has a really high truck payment every month, like close to $600 a month, which That's is a insane. lot of money. Yeah. He, he's paying it off quick, but he still has like two years or something. Yeah. He's like, man, I couldn't afford a house payment right now because my daggum truck payment is so high and my insurance is so high because he owes money on his truck, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. it could go down. Yeah. So I was telling him like, you know, if you could get a HELOC, and you'd get, uh, let's say, he owes, like, I'll just say $12,000. So it's going to take him two years to pay it off, paying $600 a month, roughly. Uh, if he gets a HELOC for $15,000, and he pays off his truck completely, that $12,000 that he paid off his truck, he owes nothing to the to the loan that he got from his truck. But for his HELOC payment, it'd only be $120. Yeah. And sure, you'll pay a little bit of extra. But each month, you have an extra $400 to your disposable. $430-something for this guy. Uh, that's a lot of money. That's $100 oh, yeah. a week yeah. that you could be doing something else with. Whether it's like, hey, I just can't afford to live like this. I need some extra money. Or I want to do this. Uh I can't afford to go play golf as many times as I want to. <laughs> I can't afford. I, well, I would not <laughs> take a HELOC out to play golf. But I see what you're saying. Like you're getting out from a lot of interest, a lot uh -huh. of stress, and you're kind of using debt to your advantage. You're using it as a leverage. And yeah, like you said, rates are crazy, and the HELOC rate will be crazy. I don't know if it'll be worse than your car payment rate, whatever that breaks down to but so at the, the same the time the payment is going to be a lot less the interest will be pretty close to the same yeah uh, your HELOC will probably be a hair more after your first 12 month intro uh, usually you can get a decent rate on the first 12 months and then it goes to whatever the the average uh rate is at the time yeah so and rates that's like the prime rate prime rates will go down yeah and so honestly though you're not really worried about the rate because you're just doing it for the the extra cash each month. Uh, that would be if you have a little bit of equity in your house. Not much at all is needed for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I mean, you're talking fifteen thousand dollar HELOC, if not less. Yeah. Uh, so, 
pull that out, try to pay something off with it. Uh, Plus, if you, you know, you say he pays his 12K off of his truck, you pay your 12K back into your HELOC. You you just have that money again yeah, to do something else with. Not to go buy a do or go no. buy something stupid. Yeah. But that is now either put that value in your home. I know some people will yeah, uh, redo a, people a portion do, of their house. Yeah. Don't buy a pool. Don't no pool. do don't put don't, a hole don't in the ground. Don't 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 buy something else with Don't wheels. buy watercraft. Don't <laughs> buy anything with wheels or a motor, honestly. Um, but Well, if you're going to buy something with a motor, buy a stump driller and open up a stump grinding business. I like it. Yeah. Hey, those things are Actually, it does that, good. That's how I'm thinking. There's about twenty thousand dollars for stump grinder. Okay. And you can oh you, you just you just let it do let its it own eat, thing. Dude. Yeah, it does. you let that it thing eats eat. For sure. Um so you got your twelve thousand dollars, you pay it back off. Uh your truck's done for, your truck's paid for, you're driving around in a nice truck paid for. Insurance goes down a little because your truck's paid off. And then you're looking at a uh, couple years to pay this HELOC off, probably less. Because, I mean, if you could afford the $550, $600 truck payment, you'd pay this HELOC off pretty quick. Uh, yeah, you regardless. can't use it as like, oh, now I'm out from under the truck, let me go do something else. Like, yeah. you have to pay that back. Yeah, so or you they pay will come back. after your house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not the truck, but you'll you'll have the truck to sleep in, but they'll come after your house. And this guy's fairly young, uh, younger than 25, and wants to get married one day, wants to buy a house. So... You got this $12,000 HELOC. That's a down payment for a house, especially if you're going FHA. 3.5%, you're at you know uh, $12,000. That's a $370,000 house or something yeah. like that. But don't go buy Don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't do buy that. that house. But you can. You can put a good bit of down payment down. Um, you could even go over the 3.5% that FHA requires and go like, 10, 15% down. Uh, and you got a $150,000 house that your down payment came from a HELOC that also paid off your truck. So yep. as you're paying it down again, you you pick up this mortgage uh, that at that point in time, you're married, you can afford a lot more. Uh, you can afford a mortgage and your HELOC payment. Uh, it basically replaces your car payment that you were already used to having. Uh, so then you're looking at $120 plus your mortgage, which isn't terrible. Most people can come up with $120. You can work, you know, you can pick up a job and be a waiter or a waitress I mean, yeah, one night. Do- yeah, you could DoorDash. Yeah, you could figure something out for $120 a month. Yeah. Um, your truck that's paid off will smell like McDonald's. but Yeah, it'll, but it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. You'll be in a house now. You ain't been able to afford a, a mortgage or a house. Um, now you can. Yeah, it's, I mean, getting that first one. And it's also like I had a misunderstanding about how it works. Like I thought it was immediately like a loan mm-hmm. that you had to start like paying on and like you had to know what you were doing. But it's like it's not like that. It's literally a line of credit. It's just, it just money there, sitting basically. there that they gave you and you just have to take one distribution. and to pay for the fees basically. Yeah, pretty much. And so otherwise it's just sitting there. Yeah, And it's like. If you have an emergency, which you should not really use your HELOC as an emergency fund. You should use it to create value, which is like uh, investment in a rental property, investment in a business, yeah. investment in, um, 
I want to say like maybe you could figure out a franchise or you could buy a Mm. business. Um, You just have to figure out uh, the best way to kind of swing that. Yeah. So this this example would be somebody having a pretty low amount of equity in their house. Most people have a lot of equity in their house, and they don't even realize that you don't even realize you've just been paying on your house. Uh, I'm sure we have people listening on here that have paid on the same house for ten plus years. Uh, Yeah. But I would be willing to say most people have a lot more equity than what they think, especially if you bought your house 2020 or earlier. Yeah. You're going to have equity just from the house being more expensive now. Uh, But so now you have a lot of equity. You pull out this HELOC, pull out as much as you can possibly get on your HELOC uh, without having to pay for an appraisal or anything. Uh, From here, do not spend the money, which we already said this, do not spend the money on something that is just for fun. Uh, and I think a lot of people look at like a rental property as like, holy cow, I don't have time to worry about a rental property. I don't have enough money for that, which you do, uh, especially if you're doing this HELOC. You, you probably do. Uh, but time is most of it. They're like, I can't invest. I don't know what to invest in. And here's what I would say. Just buy a house that doesn't need a lot of your work. So something that doesn't have to be completely flipped. For somebody that don't have a lot of time, buy a house that doesn't need to be completely flipped and pay a property management group to just manage it. Because your mortgage, let's say you buy a $150,000 house, your mortgage is going to be like eight, $900. Rent right now, for a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house, you're probably looking at like a three two, maybe a three one. That's a little nicer, but three two roughly where we are, pretty local to us. Um, rent's probably going to be fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That property management group is not going to take more than twelve percent. Yeah. So ten to twelve percent. Yeah. Uh, and we'll just say ten. Meet right in the middle. Uh, fifteen hundred is one hundred and fifty dollars. So that rental property is going to be profiting, you know, $500, $600 a month. That doesn't sound like life-changing money, and it's not for a while. But $500 a month, $500 a month, you're looking at $6,000 in a year. You get decent tax benefits. Uh, I don't know all the tax rules or the numbers and whatnot, Uh, you know, like the form, yada, 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 all that. You're going to get decent depreciation, so you're going to get good tax benefits on that, first off. And then all that money is going to be passive money, so it's going to be taxed less than your active income. And you didn't have to do anything for it besides buy the house. Yeah, I've I've read about property management, and some people are like, it's really just worth it just to – you know, be able to pick up the phone and call somebody and be like, hey, this happened. Because yeah. then they, like, outsource repairs, emergency situations, anything like that, and you're not up at 2 in the morning driving out to your rental property. Most, most of them are going to be set up where they don't even call you. Where yeah, yeah. The, they, the, pers- the tenant in the house is going to be calling the property, property management group. Yeah. The only time you're getting a call is like, hey, we, you know, we got to replace this. Or yeah, or you like, yeah, you okay repairs. Yeah. But that's about it. You're going to be given a green light. Um, but, yeah, you're not going to have to do much. Yeah. Not near as much as what people think. Yeah. If that person needs to move out, 
you basically okay it with the property management group. Yeah, let's let's get them evicted. Uh, could take a minute, uh, but not that long. Yeah, uh, couple months probably, and you're talking five hundred, a thousand dollars. You may miss out on. Uh, they get the tenant out. They are also going to be finding the next tenant. You don't have to. And then it starts back five hundred dollars a month, five hundred dollars a month. Uh, in two years. You have equity built back up in your primary residence, and you have equity now in this other house. So you pull out the money again, either via HELOC in the new house or refinance one of them or both of them. I know people are scared of the rates, but if the house still cash flows, just pull it out and do it again. Yeah, yeah. And then you just, like my manager was talking about, like he knew a guy that did that with like 30 properties. And then he sold them all off. Yeah, because your primary residence and your rental house refinance both of them. It goes from you own two houses to four, just like that. And then two years later, it goes from four to eight. Yeah. Two years later, it goes from eight to 16. And that's, you know, four years down the road, five years, six years down the road. Uh, That's not a lot of time, but you got 10 houses. Now your 500 a month goes to 5,000 a month. Yeah. And that is sixty grand a year of passive income, barely getting taxed. Uh, it's a lot more doable than what people think. Oh yeah. So and that's high equity in your house, which most people have. They just don't know it. Uh, that's the route I would take if I was there. Yeah, you just chain these houses together, and you know, you roll the equity into the next one, into the next one. And you can probably find your, like, Goldilocks zone with Mm -hmm. how you're doing your houses. Like, you know, we're really just getting started on this journey to do this. Um, You know, we're we're looking at at places. um, It's kind of – I guess we're hoping to get something locked in this year. Mm -hmm. That's that's the idea. Uh, There's a couple things we just have to, you know, kind of get cleared up on. And we'll be ready to rock. And just, you know, with this, you're not desperate. I think that's one of the one of the pros of doing this. Like, you already have your house. You already have where you live. You're not, you're not looking at it in the eyes of, I have to live here. Yeah. You're looking at it as, like, is this, somebody would stay here. Somebody would like this layout. Like, you're not doing it for yourself. You're not, like... I could live with that or yeah. I could deal with having a weird shower or something like that. Like you're not looking for yourself or you're not like, Oh, I really want to open backyard. You're looking for a different reason. And so you're not going to be as like passionate about your decision. You're going to be pretty methodical and you're going to be more business oriented whenever you're attacking this decision and you're looking at properties, you're going for a different reason and so that's going to kind of fine-tune what you're going to look at. And, you know, you may find something that you wouldn't have ever bought yourself, but is actually a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. And then it ends it up working out money. as your rental property, whether it's, you know, uh, a long-term rental or a short-term rental. I know short-term rentals are... The rate like, right yeah, now. People will just keep talking about it. I mean, I'll do research and there'll be articles from years ago. Uh-huh. People talking about them, so... Yeah, so that would be, I have a little bit of equity, I need some extra cash flow, or I have a lot of equity, 
I don't have time. So yeah. another option is I make a lot of money, but I don't have time and I don't have the the brain width, uh, the capacity to research and figure out what to invest in. There's too many options. Uh, and I have a couple options um, that if I was a very high W-2 earner, I would participate in. Uh, so uh, a word that not a lot of people probably have heard of, uh, I honestly haven't known about it, but for like five or six, seven months, something like that. Of, But once I learned about it, I'm like, man, that's awesome. And I've just been like, I mean, I've been researching it to no end almost. Uh, maybe not no end, but I've researched it a lot. <laughs> um, and that would be a syndication, which is basically somebody like, let's just say myself, for example, uh, young, have the time, uh, and willing to do all the research, do all the the back grunt work, uh, the back end, running the numbers, crunching the numbers, and all I need is the money. So I would say I'm buying this building for a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars. I don't have 200000 for a down payment. So I'm going to get eight people to give me $25,000 a piece. And then we share this company that owns the building. And eventually, I just pay you and I pay you and I pay you until I'm ready to refinance that building to get a lot of cash because the building appreciates in value and we're putting, when we're paying off the loan, we're putting equity in it. So then I pull out all the equity, pull out all the appreciation, Right. And I pay back everybody plus some. So this would be like you put in 25, you probably get 50 by the end of it, honestly, just because in two, three years, whenever I'm ready to pull out, I give you your percentage and then boom, we're done. We can do another one, uh, but this one is done and over with. That person usually keeps the building, so then they end up getting 100% ownership of it. Uh, yeah, or just gets held by the company. Uh -huh. Yeah. And then I guess you probably probably cash flow yeah. most of whatever so, it's making after you've paid everybody back. Yep. So most of the time you would like dissolve the company as the shares are paid out paid out. So like once you get paid back, your share that you own no longer exists. Yeah. Uh or I wonder if you could set one up to where it's just like you can have your spot bought out or you can stay on and make a know, little bit whatever. of cash flow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you'd be able to do something like that. Uh, but, again, that means you got to have, I don't want to say a lot of money, but a decent bit of money saved up to invest. Uh, the thing with this is you're going to get a much higher return than a stock, more than likely, uh, or a 401k, and you get this money back, and it's yours again. It's cash. It's liquid. Yeah, yeah. You can do stuff with it. Yeah. Versus... Or some sort of retirement plan, you can't touch it until a certain age, certain amount of time sitting in that account without the penalties. So this would be probably 20% and up return on two and three years. Uh, the most accessible way for you to invest money slash make more money uh, would be creating value. So a business, uh, well, what do you think? What, what, what are your thoughts on the creating value? 
Yeah, I feel like we touched on it a little bit, but it's just I always see the same kind of rhetoric of you have to find a problem and you have to solve it yeah. creatively and then you have to sell the solution. And that like the value will be intrinsic to those who are you know the problem helps them or the the solving of the problem helps them. And so it's just kind of figuring that out. So like Airbnb solved the problem of hotels suck and people have properties. And there's nothing to do about and, that. Yeah. yeah hotels sucking as well. Yeah, wow. yeah. So you're just beholden to these hotels that are built in certain areas and then you get like this bland surrounding of Ruby Tuesdays and yep. Exxon gas stations around them. Or you can go stay in a treehouse in yeah. Kentucky. And, you know, somebody owns that and built it, and they probably built it to be an Airbnb, to be honest. But Uh that kind of solved this other problem. Or with not everybody delivers food, so Uber Eats and DoorDash became things. And it's like trying to find those small niche problems that could be solved by you creating an application, a website... Or a service-based business that creates value, solves a problem for somebody. Like service-based, obviously, lawn mowing, plumbing, electrical, HVAC, all those solve problems that are more Mm hands-on. But there are like these almost ethereal problems that nobody's really thought of. And like that's why stuff becomes so big is because nobody has thought of this being an issue. And now it's been solved by this person and now they're a multi-million dollar company (laughs) so it's i think that's one of the harder ones to do like buying a property turning it into a rental is very hands-on very physical you can see the progress yeah you talk to people it happens but like trying to find a problem to solve that is a million dollar problem that's kind of difficult yeah so yeah, it don't have to be a million dollar problem. No, it doesn't. But there, it can be a hundred thousand dollar problem. Yeah, a year. Yeah, it could be a seventy thousand dollar problem a year. Right. So it can be anything. Honestly, it's just it's finding a solution to those that value it. It's yeah. like that's and if you want to have that sense of uh, meaning in your job, if you can solve somebody else's problem. You're going to feel awesome. Oh, yeah. It'll kind of give you that drive to to keep going and to, you know, just to round this out, uh, to be great, yeah. you know, at what you're doing in your life and not just good. Yeah. And, and go ahead. Oh, I was just going to wrap it up. So we talked about Proverbs 1320. Yeah. Which said, uh, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So, surround yourself with great people. Listen to great audiobooks. Great podcasts like great, No News Media. Yeah, like this one. And, you know, actively think and explore, you know, stuff that either makes you uncomfortable or challenges you financially, spiritually, uh, physically. All of those things will just, you know, you can't grow in comfort. So, you have to find something that will challenge you. Challenge the way you think. 
the way you've always understood something. And you can make that leap from good to great and, you know, lead a life of greatness and, you know, don't suffer any fools yeah. that may come your way. Yeah, I like it. Uh, creating value in America is uh, easy, to be honest, because we have so many first world problems that oh, need yeah. to be solved. Oh, I say, quote unquote, need to be solved or that people will pay to be solved. Oh, yeah. So people it's like, will throw money at you a problem want, real quick. Yeah, if you want to make money, just solve a problem and you will. People will pay for it. Not everybody will, but people will. That's yeah. I made a note and I said that every anybody can do it in in the United States. Like, oh yeah, yeah. If you'll just hustle for a little while and like find a problem, get good at something, you you can make it. Yeah. And I don't my, by make it. I don't mean make tons and tons of money all the time. Uh, I just mean like you're solving that problem, not nobody else. You're solving it. You're doing that, uh, and then eventually, you know, if your business is successful, like you're building a team that's solving the problem. Yeah, your team solves a problem. You know, like that ownership of it is just like it's doable for anybody. Yeah, and it'll make it mean so much more. There's a quote I heard that was like, "Say what you're gonna do, do it, and then write about it." And it's like that. You can't put it more plain than that. It's just to say that you have an idea and you're going to fix something or you're going to do something and then do it and then write about what you did. And that's a lot of what you read about online is somebody that did something. Yeah. They said they were going to do it, they did it, and now you're reading about what happened. Yeah. All right, do you have any anything for Golf Talk? I know we're going to play on Thursday. But. Golf Talk, we're going to play Part 3 course. Part uh, 3, first round of the it'll season. Be, yeah, it'll be one week out. Actually, from when you guys hear this podcast, yeah, we would have played. Yeah. So you'll one hear the results probably next, next week. week. Yes. Yeah, next week. Hopefully, if not too bad. If it's terrible, we'll <laughs> yeah, see. We'll never speak of it. Yeah, again. you didn't know we even played golf. We'll probably just cut this out one <laughs> yeah. day. Uh, well, yeah. Depending on how it goes, this episode will be released the next week. So we'll just cut this. I'm out. I'm thinking I may have a glove, uh, a glove to swing with by then. Okay. Uh, a little grip. Yeah, and I may try it out. I've never played with one. Uh, so, yeah, there's something. Yeah, uh, a little change. Hit at the range the other day. Felt felt decent. Not great, but felt decent. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens at Greenbrier. It, uh, <laughs> it'll probably eat my lunch. Yeah, that makes me think of the Theo Vaughn thing. So, we'll so see. So, we'll see. <laughs> so, we'll see. Uh, so, yeah, y'all, you guys be great. Uh, had something I wanted to end off with. But now it's not. No, no, now it's leaving me. Nah. Well, uh, yeah, we're going to play some golf. Go out there, be great, not just good. And uh, try to to think of a way critically Mm. that you could make some value for somebody. Yeah. Write your family vision plan or at least just look at that that website. Think about it. Yeah, just think about it. Visit that website. If any of the financial stuff uh, intrigues you, interests you, uh, feels like something you could do, uh, maybe something you want to do but you don't think you could do, hit us up. Yeah. Uh, What's your email? Uh, ChandlerBreakfoot at gmail.com. There you go. Very easy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's cool. <laughs> you can find me on social media. Ask me about it. Uh, I'm available. I obviously don't know everything, but uh, I do a lot more research than... Yeah, and you can point people to somebody that would have to answer. Yeah, so. I know some people. Uh, 
All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Till next time, y'all. Yeah, yeah. See you. Thanks, you guys.